Some viewers may find the following video disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Mac Movie Reviews Podcast, also known as the MM Reviews Podcast. MM Reviews, it's in the moisture. Thanks, Critical. But anyway, I'm your host, Mac, and I'm joined here as usual by my co-host, Miss Flamingo, also known as Kristen. Hello, Some of our folks. Co- how are you doing? We're here for I- another episode, right, Mac? Yes, we are. How are you doing this fine October spooky month? Spoopy season has been pretty good. I've watched a couple of horror movies, nothing too crazy about, but the one thing I did watch is our main topic for our discussion for today. So I was nice to revisit a film that I am beloved very, very much. And um, yeah, ready for that spoopy time season. Got some (sighs) scary movies I want to check out that I haven't seen yet either. So it's a good time. Yeah, so before we get into the whole breakdown of what the show's going to be today, we have a quick little announcement slash disclaimer. So due to some technical issues with a certain laptop, I'm not going to say whose, but it does start with an I, I mean Intel, or, in, you know, um, the Mac and Reviews, uh, the podcast will be uploaded only to Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, all YouTube uploads will be postponed until further notice, so... It will be available to listen to on, you know, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, whatever you listen to for, like, audio. But video, like, on YouTube, it's going to be paused temporarily until I can get this fixed. I don't know what's going on with my editing software, uh, Filmora 9, but it's not letting me export the whole video. So if you know any other uh, editing softwares that I can use that's free or cheap, uh, let me know. Send me some uh, invoices at MacReviews on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, Maybe we got to talk to some of our friends or film friends we had over for the last few times. Maybe we got to yeah, talk. Exactly. But other so. than that, uh, other than disclaimer, uh, we have a good show here today for you folks. So today we're going to talk about some film news. Then we're going to be going over the topic. We're going to be going over the screen films, one, two, three, and four, and then giving our quick thoughts about how they how are they going to tackle the fifth film with Wes Craven being gone. But the original cast back, we will see. And then uh, we will be answering some questions left by you folks. Or even going over some box office numbers because sometimes people don't even send us questions. So other than that, enough monologuing. Are you all set to go, Kristen? I'm ready. All right, let's get into the news. So the news. So first up in the news, we have more delays in the film front. Uh, Dune, the new Denise Villeneuve. Did I pronounce that right? Denise Villeneuve. What she said. It has been delayed till 2021. It was originally supposed to come out on Christmas, right next to the Wonder Woman 1984, but that is has been delayed. The Matt Reeves Batman movie starring Robert Pattinson has been delayed till 20 March. 2022 
So that's a bummer. And then DC's Black Adam is completely off the calendar, so we don't know when that's coming out. Um, we may never get that movie. Yeah, that's just the mythical rock movie that we're never going to get. What else we have? Oh. We have... This has been said, but A Quiet Place, Top Gun, mm-hmm. all coming out 2021. We got a lot of stuff to look forward to in 2021, so hopefully we can have a better year. But, yes. Uh, but And then another movie, you have um, Pixar Soul, the one with Jamie Foxx, their animated movie. It's supposed to come out in November. They, has, they have decided they're going to release that on Disney Plus on Christmas without that super premier actress be like Mulan. So... Look forward to Soul on Christmas Day, people. If you have Disney Plus, so that's something. Okay, so how do you feel about releasing, having them release it on Disney Plus Christmas, and um, you know, not having to pay the thirty dollars that everybody else did for Mulan? Spend your precious hours doing what will bring out the real you, the brilliant, passionate you contribute something meaningful into this world get ready your life is about to start back here tonight first shows at seven so i think it's good because like i'm actually really excited i'm actually interested in this movie because it looks i like the concept and it looks cool because pixar always tackles some heavy subjects you know you ever notice that in yeah, their movies. that's one of the greatest things about Pixar because they're movies that anybody could watch and they're the most enjoyable. However, I did really, really want to see Soul in theaters. Same. Because I grew up watching just about every single Pixar movie on the big screen, like Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Toy Story. Oh, uh, you know, even. Well, no, I didn't see, get to see up in theaters. I saw Wally in theaters. I saw like the major ones in theaters, and I was yeah. just like, not seeing Soul was, you know, kind of mm-hmm. hard. And I didn't even get to see Onward in theaters, even though you know it had its chance in you know theatrical theaters. Run. Yeah, and then everything shut down, so this went know, straight to Disney Plus. So I under I took that, but Soul was the one I was really, really looking forward to mm-hmm. to seeing in theaters because I think it had that spark to be a really, really great family going experience yeah so um, and then another movie is um ryan reynolds free guy that's apparently coming to theaters on Dece- in december it has yeah. got lit yeah i think that one also has a shot of saving movie theaters i think <laughs> maybe that's ryan reynolds saving him, so. he deadpool could be saving the day with films and then another movie um that hasn't really like been uh, moved yet is Wonder Woman 1984 because that got moved from June 5th to October 2nd and now it got moved to Christmas. So now there's no word that Wonder Woman 1984 is the last like major release to come out this year if it comes out. The time will come, Diana. And everything will be different. I've never been one for rules. There's always more. Go to DCFandom.com on August 22nd for an epic Wonder Woman show, new trailer, surprise guests, and more. Wonder Woman 1984, pretty PG-13. Yeah, by then, we'll know that, you know, Bad Boys for Life was the biggest movie of the year. <laughs> pretty much, yeah, let me think about it. 
Birds of Prey, you suck. Oh, and then another delay. Uh, Marvel's Eternals has been delayed from uh, to November 5th, 2021. Is it sad that I only just want to see the Richard Madden parts in that movie and I don't want to see anything else or have an interest in the, the internals? I don't even care about it. Neither do I. I'm really concerned about the newer material. I suppose, you know, to like all like... The- you know, Doctor, I almost said Doctor Sleep, Doctor Strange. Strange. I know. I will. I by accident will do this often. I will say Doctor Sleep, and then we'll say Doctor Strange when I know they're two totally different things. <laughs> I will just say, you know, just say, you know, Doctor Sleep as you know, I mean Doctor Strange. And also, uh, Tom and Jerry has been moved from December twenty third to March fifth, twenty. Oh, big whoops. Listen, shut up. I'm listening. I'm, oh, yeah. I, I mean, that whoops. I'm sorry. I, 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 I want to see Tom and Jerry back in the big screen. Okay, one movie I'm excited about that is getting a release is Promising Young Woman. That stars Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, Laverne Cox, and Allison Brie, and Connie Britton. And it's a dark comedy. And it's about, like, basically a medical student. And she's just basically, like, at this, like, stuck end in the middle of her life. And she had a bright future until, like, an event happened. And it's, like, a female revenge-seeking movie to, like, go after, I guess, men who go after, like, you know, women who are maybe, like, too drunk to, like, consent to, like, a form of sexual contact. Contact. Con- oh, I can't even talk. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, who can't engage in a yeah. sexual matter when they're not in their full state of mind, you know, mm-hmm. and c- give the proper consent. That's the word I was trying to say. But, yeah, it was supposed to be out in April? Yeah, first I thought it was March, but then I just looked it up. It's April, but then it was pulled back due to the pandemic. It was played at Sundance, got some great reviews, and now I'm really looking forward to this. And then another movie that we have coming out at Christmas is the um, is a Paul Greengrass and Tom Hanks movie. And I forgot the name of it. Um, I just actually covered it, but uh, it's coming out Christmas. Mm-hmm. And they just released a trailer, and it's called um, News of the World, and it's a Western. So I'm excited to see a new Paul Greengrass movie. Do you like Paul Greengrass? I don't know who that is. The Bourne movies. He's the director. I'm not really a fan of the Bourne movies. I don't even lie. You don't like Captain Phillips? Oh, I like Captain Phillips. Yeah, that's Paul Greengrass. Oh, okay, okay. And I just don't like the Jason Bourne movies. I do like Captain Phillips. I'm the captain now. Yeah, I'm the captain now. <laughs> but yeah, that sounds interesting. Maybe yeah, I'll give it, looks, it a watch. Yeah, they ha- they released a little teaser trailer, but no full trailer yet. So maybe this will put, you know, nice little stamp on the thing that Tom Hanks is back in theaters. I mean, I don't think that would be too bad because I think they, you know, I think Tom Hanks dodged a bullet with that uh, Greyhound knowing how mixed and poor reviews it got. And knowing mm-hmm. it was on Apple TV. I mean, <laughs> I didn't get to see it because I don't have Apple TV. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't think we ever talked about if you have Apple TV. Do you? No. Nope. Okay, so 
folks, you won't hear us cover that movie at all then. <laughs> um, so, another news topic. Doctor Strange will be in Spider-Man 3, which has begun filming in New York under the tire Sarasota, I think that's how you pronounce it. Sarasota. I couldn't be wrong. Yeah, Sarasota. So this led to the, it's just come. This news comes a week after Jamie Foxx was announced he would be returning, or they announced that he would be returning as Electro from Spider-Man Two, Spider-Man Three. So it's led to even more fuel to the fire that the multiverse theory of the past Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire could be coming well, true. Well, these are like all rumors, so we don't know officially yet that Jamie Foxx is back. But you know, no, they 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 confirmed it. They confirmed it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But I like I am. I'm still, you know, meh about it. You know, I'm excited to see Doctor uh, Strange in it. I almost said sleep again, but um, because Doctor Strange is one of one of my favorite ones, and really enjoyed, you know, Doctor Strange a lot. See, after seeing it probably a second time, I actually enjoyed it. Seeing it, like I liked it the first time, but then I enjoyed it, you know, after seeing it again, and you know, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I want more of this guy, you know. Like, he grew on me. So, I'm happy to see that he'll be part of the Spideyverse. Let's see what we got from other news. We got the Mank trailer. Oh, yeah. David Fincher's new film that's going to be on Netflix. Yep. And it's inspired about the Herman Mankiewicz, who wrote Citizen Kane, and the problems that arose with Orson Welles during the production leading up to the film's release. And um, Gary Oldman plays Herman Mankiewicz. Who knows? Maybe he's going to campaign for another Oscar. What do you yeah, think? Maybe he's definitely the man earn another Oscar if he's gonna people, play. People will react. Oh, what? I said, what do you think he might earn another Oscar in that short time? Because how long ago was that? Like, you know, what should we call it? The Darkest Hour. It felt like you know. Four years ago. Four years ago. Yeah, that's like yep. about almost the same time, like or time frame, like when Tom Hanks won his two Oscars. You know. Though, give me a quick second. Darkest hour, three years ago. Okay, S- still about the same point. And um, besides, you know, Daryl Moon's got Man to Seyfried in it, Lily Collins, Charles Dance, um, and a few other people that I'm not too familiar with. But hey, why not? Uh, it looks really good. Yep. And I would like this is a movie I would like to see in theaters because of the cinematography. Because it looks like it would look, be like really nice on a theater screen, as opposed to you know being at home watching it on my TV. So it is going to play in theaters in November, but then it's going to be released on Netflix December fourth. So, oh, okay, I think it'll do fine on Netflix first. Yeah, I mean it'll do fine, but I think I wish I had had a, a longer theater run. Yeah, you know, get get that in for that Christmas season. You know, mm-hmm. I guess but, the. This is really kind of a short news cycle because a lot of the bigger news was the delays and everything. But I guess the last... Go ahead. Yeah, that's kind of like what I was thinking about and just more of the trailer stuff. But, uh... The last know, piece I think, of news... Uh, no, go ahead. I guess the last piece of news we can talk about is uh, Regal and Cineworld temporarily closing because they can't make money during this quarantine or pandemic. Yeah, which I find to be really, really sad because it's like sad for me and you for like film fans who can't go out yet like or who have a regal cinema near them like if that's the closest one it's shut down at the moment and you know there's nothing that can happen and you know 
it was reported that AMC only has like another six months left before, yep. you know, they might have to say goodbye. But, yeah, for a little which, bit. Yeah, which I would hate. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard now. It really is. And, you know, I feel bad for the people who are losing their jobs. It, now is not like a great time. Mm-hmm. I understand, but I understand the need to keep the doors open, but and also they need to also need to consider it for uh, everything else going on. It's it's just a lot, and I feel bad just for the whole situation, and it's sad for us because you know the movie theaters for like you and me are like a second home. Yes. So you know, I'm hoping my AMC, my AMC does not close yet. I I would hate to see it close. I I just can't. I can't. I hope it doesn't. But yeah. So, uh, when are you going to see Tenet, Mac? I don't know. The theaters, uh, like, literally reopened, uh, let me see. The For all my mass heads, uh, the Cinemarks in Hampshire and the Hampshire Mall and the West Springfield Cinemas, they reopened. So, um, they reopened actually yesterday on October 9th, so... Just got to figure out when me and my pops are going to go, and we're going to be straight up in there. We'll go see Tenet. Right. Maybe even an older movie. Might, might go see The Dark Knight for the first time in theaters. That'd be a cool idea. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But, but I'm, I'm anxious to get into today's topic. So should we wrap this up? Yeah, we should. It was a really light news cycle. So if you got any news for us, you can always send it to us on Instagram. At Miss Flamingo or at Mac Review. So without further ado, I think we should get into the topic, shall we? We shall. Who are you? The question is, where am I? The critics call Scream the most terrifying movie of the year. Help me, somebody! It's clever, hip, and scary. Yeah. Wes Craven is in top form. Motors are incidental. And Rolling Stone calls it smashingly scary. Oh my god. Drew Barrymore gives a tour de force performance that rivals Janet Leigh's in Psycho. It's the scariest movie of the year. We all go a little mad sometimes. Scream, rated R. Now playing. All right, so the topic today, Christian, I have one question to ask you, and that is, what's your favorite scary movie? Because we're going to be talking about the Scream franchise. That's right. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. All four of the Scream movies, and we're going to be giving our reaction and kind of our, not reactions, our thoughts on what the fifth movie is going to be like. So before we get started, Christian, talk about Scream. Why do you like Scream so much? Well, Scream was the first, like, horror franchise that I was really able to get into and just, you know, conquer, like, you know, the young fear of watching, like, a horror movie. Because, you know, when you're a kid, sometimes you can't handle, you know, horror movies. And then I finally got the courage enough to say, I think I'm ready. So Scream was one of the first ones I watched. And I absolutely loved it. And I re- rewatched it all the time on TV because I was too young when it came out in theaters. I was probably, I was just only a baby when it came out in theaters, honestly. So I was too young. I had to wait a little bit till I was, you know almost a grown woman to be like, all right, let's take this on. And I absolutely love, you know, this movie and, you know, what it is and how it, you know, pokes fun at, you know, horror movies, all the film references, the thrills, the whole storyline, the romance. 
It's just everything that I love watching about movies in one Mm -hmm. particular, you know, film. Yeah. I mean, what about you, Mac? I think It Scream was one of the first uh, I did watch. Uh, I think it is very an interesting franchise because it's just like it speaks. It has something for everyone who's a fan of the genre. And we'll talk about that more with like. Mm -hmm. A certain character I like by the name of Randy, played by the great Jamie Kennedy. He's so good in that movie. Everyone's actually, I think, really good in this movie and the, all the films. Like, I think the casting is always great for uh, each screen film. Yeah. But um, I guess we should start off with the first screen film titled, of course, Scream, which was released in um, 1996. December- Yep, December 1986. It was directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin the Williamson. legend Wes Craven. Craven. You said Craven. Craven. I was like stumbling <laughs> there. I lost my words. So I will say <laughs> it again because I love this man. But Wes Craven. Yep. Uh, the film stars David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, and Drew Barrymore. Um, the plot of this film it follows the character of Sidney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell, a high school student in the fictional town of Woodsboro, California, who becomes the target of a mystery killer in a Halloween costume known as Ghostface. So, yeah, the movie that started it all, The Grandfather, or The Godfather. So what do you think about the first Scream movie? Because obviously people will say this is the best franchise, which I do agree. It is. It's, it's a really good franchise. You know, I have my thoughts about, you know, the other mm-hmm. two, but... You know, it sets up for a really great, you know, franchise, and it's really good on, you know, its characters, like I said, pretty much re-saying what I said earlier, but, you know, what really captures this movie is the character of Sydney. hmm So. Yeah, Nev can't, because Sydney is not like your typical slasher movie girl. She actually fights back. And she's very snappy. The brunettes kick butt as opposed yes. to the blondes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, no, the blondes do their fair share. Yeah, but this is different, you know, because, you know, this the other ones typically see, like, you know, what we see in, like, the beginning of the film. It's like, you know, the skinny blonde chick, you know. Drew she's Marymore, not completely, yeah. you know. She's not fully naked, you know. She's, you know, she's got, you know, clothes on, you know. That's what they do in, like, the sequel where they poke fun of like the horror movie openings where the girls like in the shower and blah 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 you know here you know you're supposed to you know look at the typical blonde you know here it's a brunette and you know she's like at the center of it all and you know it just becomes a crazy 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 story yeah but what makes scream so special special for like people who really appreciate the film uh horror film or just film in general do you want to take Do you want to take that question on first? All right, fine. I'll take the question on first. Um, so, what makes Scream the Scream series so like memorable and like appealing to everybody, especially for us film fans, is that it is meta. It has meta commentary on different types of horror genres. It talks about you know different types of films and later on the sequels and how franchises tend to milk the sequels and everything and horror movies that exist. Like, legit, like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, they exist in this film universe. So they are aware of, like, rules set in the horror franchise. So it's just a big meta commentary on the whole. It's a commentary 
And it's a celebration of the entire horror genre. And that's what makes Scream so memorable. Exactly. You said that perfectly. And um, and it's all because of Wes Craven. And I think the writer, Kevin Williamson, did a really good job mm-hmm. writing that for the first yeah. film. I don't know. Yeah, how, that- he tanks a little bit as his career went on a little bit. But I don't know. <laughs> But knowing this was like one of his first like, you know, baby projects and you know, he he excelled with it. He excelled mm-hmm. with the with the horror, you know, that, you know, is very much enjoyable and it can speak to a lot of people, you know. Mm-hmm. So who are true horror fans? Yeah. Excuse me as I yawn. There's a character in here named uh, G- um Randy who's played by Jamie Kennedy. He's pretty much the person who watches all the horror movies, he knows all the rules. He's, he's essentially like, hey. every movie nerd that you speak to nowadays, I feel like. Like me and Mac and anybody else you watch on YouTube is uh, yes. Randy. One my, yeah, one of my favorite scenes in the movie was when he was talking to Stu, played by uh, Matthew Willard in the video store. And he was talking about, you know, how the cops didn't, like, listen to why they let him go. He's like, if they watch Prom Night, they don't know exactly. It's like... It's a simple formula. A very simple formula. Everybody's the suspect. Yeah, he gives the rules of horror movies. I love those rules. What were were the rules again? I actually have them. Oh, there you go. Let's do it. All right, you ready to hear them? The rules to survive a horror movie. One, you can't have sex. (laughs) Don't do the nasties yet. It's a no-no. No-no-no. Number two. Uh, you can never drink or do drugs. Mm-hmm. And number three, never say, I'll be right back. Because <laughs> some- you won't be back. Nope. And, uh, you know, it's great because each film he had like a set of rules. And, you know, those were the first three rules in the first film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all those apply. You know, Sydney does have, you know. She like kind of like I couldn't say like she's like, well like I, I could say apply, but like they do apply here. Like Sydney mm-hmm. does have sex with Billy, but she does survive. Uh, you know, there's drinks and drugs going around at the party. Randy survives because you know he drinks so much and he's watching all those horror movies. And you know, people say I'll be right back. Everybody showed up. Like Gail came back. You know, uh, what you call it? David Arquette, Dewey came back. Everybody came back, and everybody was. You know, they survived the horror movie. So, and mm-hmm. um, I must say, I think, like, going... I'm going to go back a little bit. Uh, I'm going to talk about some of the casting. When I didn't realize this until probably watching it, re-watching clips over the years. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. know my young mind at the time, but the principal in the film, that's Henry, Henry Winkler. Winkler. And I was so surprised when I was like, my mouth just like dropped to the floor. I was like, like, I forget like how, you know, mean Henry Winkler can be, but he's such a nice guy. You know, you think of Fonzie mm-hmm. or, or whatever he played. What's his name? Fonzie on Happy Days? He was the Fonz, yeah. Yeah. So you think of him as a happy guy. And then, you know, it's like he's a, the mean principal who gets stabbed. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It, I it's love like, the casting in this movie. Yeah, the the cast in like this in the first screen movie is just amazing because you know, like we said, Nev, Nev Campbell did was great as Sydney. She's uh, awesome, and David, I really like her as an actress too. Yeah, she's definitely like 
awesome. She seems like she's really like committed to her craft. Um, then you got David Arquette as uh, Dewey, Deputy uh, Dewey, like, you know, the nice mustache he has. Uh, definitely, he's fun. I like him in these movies, you know. Dewey is that, like, one guy you always root for, too. Mm-hmm. But he always gets his ass kicked. Yeah, and he's just that- so lovable and likable, like, you know, mm-hmm. like how silly he is, and, like, you know, I just like him, and I like the, the banter between him and Gail. Yeah, because, you know, at the time, uh, David Arquette and Courtney Cox were dating, and then they eventually got married. From the, Yeah, you know, I think it was, he- like... In the, the sequel, they, they, they started. Married. The sequel is when they started dating. I think that they're like in real life. I think they started dating until like after the, yeah, the sequel, and then they started to get their divorce actually towards the, uh, the movie. fourth movie. Then Courtney Cox is uh, Gail Weathers, the reporter. She was awesome. She was like a fiery reporter who took she, no nonsense. I was like, yes. She embodied what the media was in the mid nineties. Pretty Perfect. much, yeah. Where it's like, oh, yeah, it's just like want to get all the violence and everything. You want to get the perfect story. It's just perfect. perfect. She's the comment. She's the commentary of what media is. And that time and even in the sequel, well, we'll talk about the sequel, though. But um, mm-hmm. like what you said, she's in the like what we said, she's the embodiment of what was going on in the, you know, the early 90s. It was like the early stages, you know, of Internet. So, yeah. And so then, she knew you know. We got our boy Jamie Kennedy as Randy, the movie nerd. Who, yeah, we talked know, about that. Yeah, but and I, then we, but I yeah. think the best character for me is my boy Matthew Willard as Stu. He's so great. That's why people fell in love with Matthew Willard's performance because he went a thousand percent in all the scenes he was in. My favorite he line went from him: "So psych- psychopath." Yeah, Psychotic. him is him is Ski Ulrich. As Billy and Stu, because you know it turns out because it was like they were the ones that. Well, I'm gonna we're gonna spoil all the movies anyway. So I knew it. it was eventually gonna be the boyfriend at some point, mm-hmm. but, but I was not was expecting to be have it be Stu. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's what really caught people. It's like, wait, there's two killers. That's insane. Yeah, that's I think that's thing. what really makes the twist here. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about all these uh, screen movies is that. It doesn't have to be elaborate with the killer because they just put on the same outfit and it can be, hey, it's Ghostface. Yeah. Just killing people. Exactly. And, and there's no, it, it, it made it a little bit more realistic because it's someone from your high school killing people. That's kind of scary. Killing to think all about. their like, friends. And yeah, that could, that could happen in real life. Killing almost your girlfriend. And yeah. It's, it's insane. And, you know, and it's scary too. And mm-hmm. man, I did really like that twist. And it becomes what what the whole purpose of Billy and the, the character of Billy becomes more crazier as the film goes on when you learn more about him. Yeah. And the connections the that ending, he has. And then by the ending, he's just full psychotic. And then it like to frame whether they're going to make it like they were going to kill Sydney and frame who are they going to frame? His, her dad. Her dad was going to be the blamed. And then they, in probably one of the most funniest and craziest sequences, Stu and Billy started stabbing each other. Do you ever and see, then, like, in the the in Scary Movie, where they were like, I forgot who two actors were, but it was like the two of them were in a gay relationship. 
And, you know, honestly, in this in Scream, it feels like it would have it was kind of implied with Stewie. You kind of like Billy like that. Yeah, I it? think he kind of liked Billy, and you know, like I liked the way their relationship was. You know, mm-hmm. it reminded me like of a Mad Frankenstein. Like you know, you know, uh, Lillard was like Igor, and just you know, Billy was just yeah. you know, big old Frankenstein going mad. My favorite Matthew Lillard moment in this movie when was when uh, Billy stabbed him. He's like, "I feel a little woozy here." I can't anymore. My favorite line is, um, whatchamacallit, I had to wrote it down, but, uh, and he's on the phone, and he's trying to find the phone, and it's like, I think you you cut me too deep, I think I'm dying here, man. Yeah. And then he goes, oh man, my mom and dad, they're gonna be so mad at me. I think that's so funny. It's just like the weaker he becomes with his body, the more funnier he becomes. That's like really physical comedy. He does so good. He doesn't get enough respect, in my opinion. Because, like, after this, he did go on to do, you know, Scooby Doo. But it's like, you know, he's kind of now in 2020, he's now, I think he has a little bit more respect than he was old. Yeah. Because yeah. like the kids who grew up watching Scream and they're same kids who watch Scooby Doo, they're gonna like, oh, that's you know Shaggy and that's Stu. Yeah. So, but yeah, Scream as overall, I, I loved it. This is a good movie. Yeah. yeah it's like and every- oh, go ahead. I like the way that the tension builds up because the minute mm-hmm. you know it happens right away, like twelve minutes into the movie, and then there is some stuff building up to like build that suspense, and you know the first killing doesn't like happen until like at least like i don't know when we get to the parties but it's about like an hour and five minutes into the movie like i wrote that down when i was re-watching it and um that's around when you know the first death kind of goes around and you know tatum like i didn't realize this at the time but rose mcgowan was tatum and yep. i totally lost like everybody like absorbs into their characters really really nicely like, I totally forgot that was Rose McGowan. Like, she really nails the part of, like, this blonde, you know, girl. You know, she's like, oh, are you going to stand me? Like, Ugh. like she's like, tries to be intimidated by, you know, ghost face. But she's, like, you know, she ends up getting stabbed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting stuck in that, you know, cat door. And yeah, with the garage. I was, like, I was saying to myself, girl, don't do that. You're going to get stuck. But then you're like, you know... You can tell the movie was like it was made to design to fit her, but then mm. you know her clothes obviously get stuck. Yeah, it's like her like her torso half, and then I was like she gets electrocuted. It's so scary because you know I think anybody would find a way to get out by using the cat door, and then you know you get stuck, and then you just get like you know slammed and like into the garage door oh it's so terrifying okay. it, that death really got me some of the deaths here got me really kind of scared like they were actually the- i was like oh no can we like, talk oh, about no. one last thing i want to talk about with the scream movie is that can we just say that the way that they have a big like high profile actor in the beginning opening scene immediately just kill him off was kind of like whoa because drew barrymore was the person that got the first person in question you said got killed like in the first movie because you know she answered that she was cooking popcorn the opening scene is drew barrymore cooking popcorn and then she answers the phone and it's like 
you know. Did you notice how casually she just has a conversation with him too? The random stranger. Yeah, he was like, he was like, do you like? He's like, what's your favorite scary movie? And it's like, you know. And fun fact: the voice of Ghostface, uh, Roger L. Jackson, that is the same voice of Mojo Jojo from Powerpuff Girls. That's really funny. Did you not know that, or did you know that? I thought I heard something, but I don't re- even remember reading that. That's yeah, really it, cool. Mm-hmm. He is um, the voice See, of Mojo Jojo. Voice actors deserve more credit. God and also, and um, he was the like the translator voice in um, Mars Attacks when they translated the. Uh, Mars oh Mars. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I could see that. But um, another thing is I didn't get to say, but um, Drew Barrymore was the one who wanted to cast herself as you know that girl. Oh really? Yeah, I was trying to find the fact because I read that somewhere, mm-hmm. but uh, where is it? Okay, yeah. Um, the article I have it says uh, because I remember reading this at the time when I was like you know really young until like getting into like you know the whole screen franchise stuff. But it says here, horror master Wes Craven turned down the movie several times, but the director changed the mind when he learned the actress Drew Barrymore's stature was involved. Very Barrymore was initially cast to play the play Sydney, but then she, yeah, said, she yeah. shifted to a similar role of the victim of Casey Becker due to the busy schedule. So I think she wanted that part. I don't think I could see Drew Barrymore. I think no. she made too cookie cutter, I think, mm-hmm. to play that and i like the fact that you know they casted her as you know casey yeah it was a nice respect he's like you think Drew barrymore is gonna be a big part of the movie ha psych she's dead you know like i was waiting to have spend time with Drew barrymore i was like oh no she she's dead and then um did you count how many times that like you know where um they referenced a movie say what you cut out Oh, did you? Oh, I said, did you know, count how many times like they referenced a movie? No, but I know they referenced a lot of movies because you know Randy was going over the rules, and then they were watching. He was watching Halloween, a nineteen seventy eight Halloween on the TV. And then, um, Billy oh yeah, uh, Billy per- Anthony Perkins when he says, oh, "We all go a little mad sometimes." And don't forget uh, when Henry Winkler is like, "Not you, Freddy," and it was Wes Craven dressed up as uh, Freddy Krueger as a janitor. I noticed that. It was like awesome. Yeah, but, I uh, love the way that they like even you know, reminisce on that kind of stuff. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, yeah, and then, then I think the last. Wait, what are you gonna say? Uh, no, go ahead. And I think the last thing that Scream was really influential for before we move on to the sequel, Scream Two, that Scream was so popular and it was like it kind of brought new life and it revolutionized the slasher genre because every movie after 1996 wanted to be screened. Like much. you had all the films, like you had Valentine's day, you had, I know what you did last summer. You had well, Kevin Williamson also wrote, uh, I know what you did last summer. Oh yeah. There you go. So he probably took influence from scream. He said, perfect. But yeah, there was a lot of like influx of, like teen slasher films that were oddly kind of similar to Scream. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so a lot of like theater and then you know uh, direct video. So it's just yeah. 
And then I didn't. I think we should also clarify this for anybody who hasn't screened. Should we clarify how Billy came to the killings of everything? Uh, sure, I guess. Okay, so uh, what happened was, you know, all this is going on because you know, Sydney lost her mother. Uh, she was killed. She. They send this guy named Cotton, played by Liv Schneider. Cotton Reary. Yeah, Cotton Reary. Who they send to jail. He's in jail for a year. Mm-hmm. Turns out he didn't kill Sydney's mother or rape Sydney's mother. You know, mm-hmm. it was Billy, Sydney's boyfriend, you know, who, you know, kills, you know, Sydney's mom. And um, it's all because. Sydney's mom was also messing around with Billy's dad, and you yep. know, she, uh, uh, what you call it? Billy blames you know Sydney's mom for everything, you know, for messing up everything because the mother walked out, mother said peace out, and when the she found out what you know what was going on, so it's a messy, messy, messy situation in a little mm-hmm. small town. But, but yeah. Uh, I wanted to explain that to the audience. I thought that was like the juicy drama. Like I forgot how juicy that drama is. But yeah, uh, let's move. I guess we should probably move on to Scream 2, released in 2000. I mean, not in a year later, 1997. They were quick with this one. Was it? Yeah, 1997. Yeah. And again, it was directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson. They knew that this was going to be like a great success. I think they knew that. Mm -hmm. So uh, they said they got to work right away, I feel like, with this one. Oh, definitely. And stars David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jamie Kennedy, Laura Metcalf, Jerry O'Connell, Elise Neal, Timothy Oliphant, Jada Pinkett, and Liv Schreiber. And the plot follows, we follow Sidney Prescott as another Woodsboro survivors at the fictional Windsor College in Ohio who becomes the target of a copycat killer using the guise of Ghostface. Hello? Hello, Sydney. What do you want? It's time, girlfriend. Someone is taking their love of sequels one step too far. <laughs> Scream 2, rated R. So yeah, what'd you think of Scream 2? Because Scream 2 is the highest reviewed Scream movie at 89%. Really? Yes, it is out of uh, the Scream movies. If I can bring it up real quick. The Scream movies in order. Scream 2 ranks highest with the highest overall like, rating. Um, On what site? Rotten Tomatoes, of course. Okay, because like personally, I still... Love the first one. The sequel was good. Uh, the third, well, we're gonna get to that in a, in a hot second. But uh, nope. the sequel, it was good. There was some stuff that I like. It brought back from the original. Mm-hmm. I was excited to see Dewey and everybody, like Gail and Sydney, all fine and dandy. Sydney's in college studying acting. However, I felt Sydney was so quiet. I oh, didn't yeah. think she was gonna be like going after as an actress. <laughs> Oh no! And I in was the like, sequel, 
Yeah, like because they in the film they like she's performing like that play. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot what the name of the play was, but it is like a set of Greek stories that actually mm-hmm. what I do remember. But I forgot the exact play, the exact name of the plays were. Mm-hmm. But it's a set. It comes from a set of plays, but one of them being a woman. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, it's not as good as the first one. I think it, I like the fact that you know, not knowing that like you know, um, if Jerry O'Connell was gonna be like the bad guy or not. Mm-hmm. But then again, I was like rewatching it more and more. I was like, "Dang, the bad the boyfriend's gonna be the bad guy." But the more I rewatched the sequel, I was like, "No, he's not. He's not the bad guy at all." Like after doing like a character analysis, he hears so much about Sydney that I was like, "Why did I think he was gonna be the bad guy at the time?" Yeah. I mean, what do you think? What do you think of the I, killers in this one? I thought it was just like, oh. That's interesting. I was just like, okay. Well, That's... those who don't know, the killers in Screen 2, it's um, Tilio. Tillian. Oh, my God. Timothy Olyphant. Thank you. I couldn't even say. I was going to say Tillian as in, like, <laughs> you know, the guy from uh, Dance, Gavin, Dance. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, Timothy Ophelian. His name oh, was... Oh. Mm-hmm. What, what was his name again? Uh, it... His Timothy Oliphant's character name was Mickey. Oh right, right. I was I'm so used to calling Timothy Ophelia Timmy because I'm just mm-hmm. like I, in my notes when I was rewatching the sequel, I was like, I just wrote Tim and not I didn't write Mickey. <laughs> so, um, but it was great. I think you know, Gail didn't change her. Oh, uh, before I go into Gail, I should say the other killer. But um, the killer, the other killer is Billy's mom. Yep. Which we were not expecting. I was not That expecting. that I was yeah, I don't think anyone was I was expecting. I will say that was a really good twist. I liked that and I liked the fact that they built it up and how connected she was to the college, how she was on staying on top of it pretending to be this journalist mm-hmm. and following Gail to get all these answers. So I really liked that, and then I liked the connection that she made with Mickey. However, I did like his performance. I just wish his character was a little bit, uh, what's the word? I guess a little bit more fleshed out better, but I think he was really, really good in it. Because he did have, like, like, it gave me the same vibes of how uh, Matthew Lillard was. Like, how much I was like, oh, I could really dig Timothy Ophelian as this psychotic villain. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, but going back to that, Gail has not changed. No. You know, you could see Sydney changed. Dewey has changed a little bit. But Gail, you see her not change. And now I think that's great what this movie does. You know, it just Mm -hmm. shows you think she changed in the first one. But no, that was all for show, you know, to get to her for her to write her story for, you know, the book, the Woodsboro Murders. By uh, Gail, what's her last name? Gail Weathers. Weather, yep. Weather, yeah, Gail. Gail Weathers. Gail Weatherman. Uh, Weatherman. But anyways, uh, she's set on having Sid and Cotton team up for a reunion the entire time until mm-hmm. she's like, okay, uh, Randy ends up being dead, which I was really bummed about. 
Randy doesn't die in this. Oh, yeah, he does. Whoops. <laughs> I thought he... Never mind. No, he no, he shows up in the third one, but he dies in this mm-hmm. one, which I was really bummed about. And I think a lot How of... Oh, he died was stupid. Yeah, I didn't like the fact that the, you know, ghost face, you know, just came out of the van and was like, well, gotcha, son. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, dang, we could have used him for at least one more movie, I think. And then that would have been fine. I would have been really, so, really happy. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I wasn't too. Well, that's when Gail comes involved when she sees Randy killed. Yeah. And you start to see her character change. And Khan shows up in more of this, like Liv Schneider's character. And how do you Liv feel Schreiber. about Liv Schreiber? How do you feel about him in this film? I like him. He does he, have like, a menacing vibe. Because so every, everyone thought he was like the red herring. So it's like, hey, he's going to be the killer. He might be. Never know. You can see that in some of the scenes, how he interacts with Sydney, mm-hmm. Where it was like he was set out to get revenge. And then, you know. Because he went to jail for, yep. you know. Yeah, like I said earlier. For, you know, blaming the murder on, uh, you know, Sydney's mom. But here, yep. no. He's a good guy. He's he's just a guy who wants you know just who's just attention. He's basically like Kim Kardashian if he was male, just seeking attention, you know, because he's a hot ticket item. And I like him. I just wish you know we got more of him in the third one, but we'll get that into that in a second. But uh, I did like Jerry O'Connell. I did like Sid. She's still a little bit. She still has her ways about how she was in the first one. But I think she becomes more fully grasp of like, you know, of her life and, you know, taking like in control of her future and everything. And the third mm-hmm. one as opposed to this one. But uh, yeah. What else do you have to say? What do you have to say about the opening with uh, Jada Pickett? Did you funny. like that opening? Because they spoofed. It was funny because they spoofed it in Scary Movie. And it was just like the spoof of Scary Movie was that the black girl when it shut up. I forgot who. The actress was. She wouldn't shut up in the theater, so everyone just stabbed her. And Ghostface was just sitting there with the popcorn, like, yeah. Yeah, like, everybody, all the theater goers are just stabbing, you know, her. So and watched, it comes out the same way. It's so funny. So I think when I watch, when I watch this, I was like, okay, I know exactly what. That's Regina uh, Hall. Yeah. Okay. 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 When I watched. Um, Scream Two for the first time. I'm like, oh, okay, I know what they were referencing now. That makes sense. Yeah, it's great. I think the first scary movie is really good, and the rest are just just stuck. I think they really did a good job of mocking, you know, you know, the scream movies. But that's for another time. But anyways, I like the fact that you know, it pokes fun of itself. It like you know, what else did I say in my notes? Uh, pretty much what you said. Same thing. I loved how, you know, in Scary Movie they did it. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, the scene. I like the way that, like, she acts in the audience, though. Yeah, because everyone's freaking out about, like, the movie. And and she's like... like, Yeah, but then in the beginning, she's like... She doesn't... She notices that her boyfriend comes back, but she thinks that in the costume. It's the killer. And I was trying to figure out who was in that costume. Was it Billy's mom? Or was it um, Timmy? Timmy Timmy Mm -hmm. Theophilian? Yeah, I was trying to figure that. I tried to figure that out, out each time. Every time um, they, you know, the killer comes on. I'm like, okay, who is that who one? Who is that? Yeah. Who, which one, which person is that? I'm like, who is that person? Yeah. Like, who's killing at that person? Because, you know, because, again, they're one's on the phone at the same time. The other one's in the costume, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, 
she finds out it's on him and she's like all like snuggled up towards the other person like oh it's so scary and then you know that's when everything comes you know to a mess yeah but uh do you remember uh sarah michelle geller in it Mm-hmm. she got thrown off the roof yeah she did get thrown off the roof and another, i think another scooby-doo character in a screen movie ain't that something and yeah. she was in um i know what you did last summer like exactly. I, think I was just gonna say the that, same, that the same year right 1987? Uh, or 1998. I but I, what Scream came out, then I know, then it's I Know What You Did Last Summer, then it was Scream 2. Okay, yeah, so she was in two. She was in a movie that was inspired by Scream by the same uh, writer, and she was in Scream 2. Exactly, that's what I was just going to say. And this does her pretty good here actually just as good as the first one i felt and i think they really topped it off with uh, jerry o'connell's death when he's tied to that son yeah i was like whoa and then she got sydney was just so torn to between like oh do i shoot tim do I shoot tim do i shoot jerry do who do i shoot who do i shoot who do i shoot mm-hmm. and then you know it all just turns out you know tim just goes for it and just you know just kills jerry and I was like, oh, dang it. Someone who actually really loves Sydney is gone. She's never going to be happy. But fun fact, this film actually had a score combined. It had a help from the score with uh, Hans Zimmer and um, Danny Elfman. I noticed that. I, and then Hans, Hans like? Zimmer, you, Hans, you, ah, I can't spell. I can't say anything. Hans Zimmer, uh, they used his score from uh, John Woo's film *Broken Arrow* in it, oh, replacing yeah. uh, re- replacing um, Bell Mike Bell, Mar- oh, Marco Beltrami's uh, score, mm-hmm. and people some people were not happy about that. I think I liked the rock and rock and roll vibe like the first one and the first one did because in the first film it had a song like *Schools Out* by like mm-hmm. Alice Cooper. It had like that rock and roll vibes, which I think. Which is which targets its you know audience. Yep. This you know that kind of score. Not it's not always you know you know uh, the Danny Elfman Tim Burton vibes, which you know Danny Elfman can easily can be compared to who is Tim Burton. But because yep. I, I Danny I think Danny Elfman came back for the third one, and then that's when the score I think just loses Went downhill. It. Yep. Yeah, and um, yeah, I just I was happy that like you know. They had some of the original vibes of like you know using their signature rock music, but then all of a sudden it just ruins it. I don't like. I'm not a fan of the score in the 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 film, the other two films. But um, you yeah. remember the uh, rules though in the sequel? No. All right, I got him. <laughs> Our boy Randy. He said to survive the sequel or to cash in. Or what he refers to as cash in on the movie Hoopla. Here are the rules. The body count is always bigger. And it is bigger. And because I was counting back. I was trying to figure out. Okay, so we have Jada Pickett-Smith. Yep. We have her boyfriend in the film. We got Heather Graham. Or not Heather Graham. She's she's uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. We got Sydney's psychologist friend. We got Jerry O'Connell. We got Timothy Ophelian. We got Billy's mom. We got uh, who else? We got the kill count. The kill count is big. Just say like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just yeah, I was trying to say all the people who were killed, Mac. Oh, but I was just saying, I'm just like, yeah, the kill count's big. That's that's the bigger. I, I was up to eight people, folks. Oh, so yeah. I was counting on my fingers and my toes. So, anyways, two, the death scenes are always more elaborate, more blood, more gore, and I will say that, and I think they get more gory a little bit in the fourth film as opposed to the sequel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it does get gory at you know when they throw Sarah Michelle Geller off the roof. I think yeah, you know, anything like that. that. Like, Jesus, that's terrifying, and just seeing that because you know the whole body just splats. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they also say Carnage Candy. Your core audience just expects it. You know, saying go big or go home. And then yeah. three. If you want your sequel to become a franchise, never, ever, and then, what did I say? I lost the end of it. <laughs> well, well, that's my bad note-taking for once. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I say another, well, I find the last half of the rule really quickly. What do you think about this film overall, Mac? In the end. I thought it was a good sequel. People said it's better than the original, and I'm like, eh, well, I wouldn't go that far. Um, it's definitely, like, it improves on a lot of the issues, or not issues, kind of like a lot of the shortcomings of the first film, I'd say. Kind of like, I felt like the pacing was a little bit faster in this movie. Not like, uh, not like by a lot, but kind of like by some of it. But uh, another thing I like about it is that... Um, I don't know, the killer revealed that it was Billy's mom. I thought that was very interesting because I'm like, huh, we've never seen, like, the mom of, like, the killer be like, I want revenge on the girl who murdered my son or killed my son, even though my son was going to be murdering people. I thought that was cool. Um, Mm -hmm. Then, you know, and another fun fact is that this film actually had some controversy. Um, There was some info about the plot that leaked online and revealed the identity of the killers, and it had a rush schedule. And the script was rewritten often, and then uh, pages were often completed on the day of filming. So there's uh, your fun fact for that. Yeah. Oh, here's the last half of it, where I left off as never, ever. Mm-hmm. Never, under, never, ever, under any circumstances, assume the killer is dead. This is nope. referenced. La- this reference Randy's last line in Scream, which he stated that the killer always comes back to life for one last scare. Yeah, and that usually happens. They got double tap them. So, um, but yeah, I think it was good. I don't think as it's as good as other sequels, but you know, or it's not There's, better as the original. But I think it's st- good. It holds up. It's better than the next movie. Yeah, because that's when I think it really goes downhill, and I think a lot of Scream fans kind of felt disappointed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, go ahead. So, moving on to the next movie, we have Scream 3, which was released in 2000. It was directed by Wes Craven and written by a new writer, Erin Kruger, if I pronounced that right. It stars David Arquette, Mm -hmm. Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Patrick Dempsey, uh, Scott Foley, Lance Henriksen, Matt Kiesler, uh, Kessler, Jenny McCarthy, Emily Mortimer, Parker Posey, Dion Richmond, and Patrick Wardman. And... The plot follows Sidney Prescott, who has gone into self-imposed isolation following the events of the previous two films, but is drawn to Hollywood after a new ghost face begins killing the cast of the film within a film, Stab 3. 
What do you know about trilogies? February 4th. All I know about movie trilogies is that in the third one, all bets are off. Scream 3. Don't panic. <laughs> So yeah, that's Scream Three. And speaking, of, sorry, speaking of which, it has a thirty-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It is the lowest-rated Scream movie in the entire franchise. As it should be, I think this the third one had so much potential to hang bang the series out with, like you know, with the great surprise at the end, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was it was disappointing as a fan, like. Even though I was young and I didn't get to see it in theaters, as I got older, like, you know, you have those movie marathons and you watch all the way to the end and you hope for a good finale. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. Like, you know, how did you feel? Like, were I was you disappointed? Just like, oh, I really wasn't back then. I was just like, I don't know what a scream is. So I just watched this movie. And I but, watched like, you know, it. but like, what I mean is, like, what do you think about the third film, how it ended? Uh, it was kind of like they should have just ended it right there. And it was just like, you could have had that in like the second movie, and that could have been like, you know, I feel like Scream would have been good as like a two movie, just a saga, not like a trip. Because this was supposed to be the last movie, but they went on for the fourth film. But like, I feel like the ending of this one, it kind of seemed like, A, it's an open shut trilogy, and it was kind of like a. It felt like the original ending to Final Destination when they had like the brought the new life. It was kind of dumb a little bit. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about from the beginning. So I was disappointed to know like we got a little bit more of Cotton in the sequel, and in the first one, in the third one, he gets killed like in less than ten minutes of the film. Him and his girlfriend, and I was kind of bummed. And I was like, "Dang, I wanted some more Cotton because Cotton gets killed because." They're working on a new stab movie, and Cotton makes a cameo in the film. And for being an actor in the film, he gets killed. Yeah, because they're making the stab movies are just a parody, or they're like a social commentary of the screen movies, pretty much. So, pretty much. And then, um, you know, uh, you know, we got Gail back as being Gail, who still hasn't changed. She's still not in a relationship with Dewey yet, you know, but it does happen in the end. You know, they, he proposes, which is cute. You know, everybody was waiting for that. Yeah. Or like, you know, oh, they should be together. And you thought when, you know, screen was going to open, like screen three was going to open with you. were hoping that, you know, they would at least be together or like have the idea of engagement, engagement be together. Mm-hmm. So, and then also when I was watching, this is like a, Good note for Sydney. I like how they uh, make Sydney's character a character who's not an actress because mm-hmm. I didn't believe she was an actress. I felt she was too shy, you know, and yeah. I couldn't see her like in college performing like as an actress. But I then again, it's talking about referring to Hollywood, like everything like that, like what Sydney is. But she becomes a California woman's crisis counseling. And I feel like that for her. Yeah, it makes sense. She's able to tell her story. She's able to tell her survival story. She's able to really connect with others who are also suffering with like a crisis issue or anything like that. And that really fits her. And I loved her for that, for her character. mm -hmm. Her character in these movies, like it's like I said, Sydney Prescott as like the slasher movie, like, um, 
heroin. She's not like any other one. She's actually very different, independent, unique. That's why like that's what a lot of people like about her. She's like she's not the cliche, like you know, oh damsel in distress. Yeah, she's able to really fight for herself, and it's like like what we saw in the all the films, including mm-hmm. you know the fourth one. But she doesn't show up to really do anything until like 50 minutes into the film when she yeah. meets up with Dewey. And I was like, wow, this was a really long time kind to like of, yeah, get everything together. And then the last like 40, 50 minutes of the film, it's just all like craziness. So, mm-hmm. but then our boy, Jamie, Jamie Kennedy is also back for like a little yeah. cameo. Cause they're and, like, you guys need help. And it was like, you're like who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm what was this character? Oh, I'm Randy's sister. Yeah, that was so random. She pops yeah. out of nowhere, and because to me, I was like, how'd she get there? How'd she find him? How did she get access onto the lot? How did she get this tape? <laughs> All the rules. You're asking too many philosophical questions for a screen movie. Just stop it. It's I was just like, because it's like the tape was like Randy. It was Randy on the tape, and he was pretty much explaining the rules of a third, the third horror movie. And, and I have the rules. What are the rules, Kristen? All right, as look, we previously stated in the other two. Here are the rules to for screen three. So, rules to successfully survive the last chapter of a horror movie trilogy. One. Most of them, but no. One, you got a, you got a killer who's gonna be superhuman. Stabbing him won't work. Shooting him won't work. <laughs> Basically, in the third one, you gotta cytrochronically freeze his head, decapitate him, or blow him up. <sighs> he forgot to set him on fire. Yeah. That would be one. Okay, number two. Anyone, including the main character, can die. This means you, Sid. Bum, yep. bum, bum. That's when I easily felt that, like, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Okay, number three. In the past, we'll come back to bite you in the ass. Whenever you think you know about the past, forget it. The past is not at rest. Any sin you think were committed in the past are about to break you, break and destroy you. Mm-hmm. Although in the first few drafts, there was the fourth rule, never be alone. This was taken out because Gail immediately goes off alone oh, afterwards. No. That's yeah. what it says on this fandom uh, wiki screen rules page. So... Okay. Giving credit to that. <laughs> nice. Shout out to the wiki. Wiki leaks. So, <laughs> what's another? Is that all the rules? Yeah, that was all the rules. Screen so four that, is where all most there's more rules. Okay. Yeah. There's more. There's more rules in this game of slasherness. But yeah, I didn't like. It was cool because it was. That was definitely. A cameo would be like, were you mad that we killed Randy in the second movie? Well, here he is in the yeah, VHS. up for everything because I feel like we were one of the many audience members who wanted to have at least Randy come back for the third film to say goodbye at least. I mean, he yeah. could die, but, you know, he survived, I guess, knowing that he made it through all through the whole thing and then just ultimately was killed because he knew... Had outsmart the killer, but then totally didn't like outsmart him. Yeah, he that, didn't do a good job of that. You know, but uh, the one thing that really, really stunk about this movie is that they got the voice a voice changer. What? What was that? Oh, the oh, I thought you were gonna mention the voice changer, but we'll get to that. What was the other thing? One of them is that besides the voice changer, 
that um, they got a different writer, which you mentioned. Oh, yeah. Erin Kruger. I hope I pronounced that right. I'm sorry if I haven't. <laughs> and Kevin Williams, who, you know, wrote the last two films. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he didn't come back. Do you, I a, don't, do you know why? See. Um, it says uh, Kevin Williamson provided a five-page outline for two sequels to screen when on auctioning his original script, hoping to entice bidders with the potential buying of a franchise. Um, oh, okay, he was doing something else when uh, they were developing Screen Three. Dang, he couldn't come back for one more. But I was reading what uh, Aaron Aaron Kruger did. So mm-hmm. following Scream, he did Reindeer Games, uh, The Imposter. The Ring, Rings, uh, The Ring 2, you- <laughs> The Skeleton Key, The Brothers Grimm, Blood and Chocolate, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. Oh, uh, no. He, he was a producer to- of Scream 4, Transformers okay. Dark of the Moon, Dream House, Transformers Age of Extinction. Oh, wait, no, he didn't do Dream House. My bad. Um, he was a producer what? of Dream House. Oh, the recent rings, Ghost in a Shell, which I didn't like, Ophelia, I Dumbo. Well, it says here, here we go. Now. Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> no, yes. no. She's has he has had an interesting career. <laughs> I have to say. I'm okay. So that makes me slightly nervous now. Now considering that he wrote Top Gun. All right, got to <laughs> well, keep you... cool. We'll be fine, Kristen. I'm just talking well, myself. Um... Maybe he couldn't do Scream 3 because he was writing, um, he was doing Dawson's Creek between 98 and 2003. Oh, man. So that's probably why. He he chose Dawson's Creek over, over Scream 3. Ain't that something? Okay, so that says something if you're going to go for James Vanderbeek and Katie Holmes and Michelle Williams. So why not? But yeah, can we talk about that stupid voice changer now? Yes. Can And before we do that, I need to acknowledge Courtney Cox's hair. Oh, she's film. got that friend. She got that friend's hair. She's got this friend's hair, and she has bangs, which are awful on her. They do not look good. No, and they look like they're greased in. Like you know, when somebody doesn't really shower their hair, and yeah, it's just put, so like, gel sl- so much gel, and yeah. her hair looks like that. Oh, no. I was, I felt so. I looked. I just looks so uncomfortable on her. Like not uncomfortable, not the right word, but it was not her. And no. she wore like pigtails in like one scene, and I was just like, this, this isn't her. Her designer, her designer, her personal stylist did her dirty. Yeah, this wasn't good. But uh, yeah, so let's talk about the voice changer. So there's a new mechanic in this movie where uh, Ghostface, you know, he's voiced by Roger L. Jackson. He's done the voice of Ghostface in every other. All these movies, even the third season of the TV series, but they decided to have Ghostface, the killer, has a device that lets him mimic anybody's voice that he wants to. And we don't even have that technology in the real world, like in 2020. In 2020, we don't have that technology. So how Khan Weary dies in the beginning of the film is that he's tricked because he sounds his what his girlfriend gets killed first because she thinks it's cotton, but no, it's just him is Ghostface using the fake voice, and then Cotton gets killed because he thinks his girlfriend is talking to him, and it's just so dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't like that. It was really weird seeing it like the voice manipulation thing, mm-hmm. and I hated the fact that um, 
he had all their voices. Like, I didn't know where he yeah, could get them from. That's the big cop out. Like, I didn't like. And then the other thing is that really bugged me was that the director was the killer. And the killer um, is Sydney's own half-brother. Yeah. Which was kind of like so like what? And then it made me think like, okay, why is this director directing this movie and killing everybody? Like, like, huh? Then I was like, his ideas, like I felt were kind of stupid. And he's like, I planned this whole thing out. I was the one who got Billy involved and showed him all the stuff going on between his father and the idea of killing you and blah, blah, blah. I was pretty much, he was like, I set up the whole movies. I'm the responsible one. So it's like, okay, man. Great. Good for you. That was, that was pretty dumb. I'm not going to lie. And then there was like I, the oh, deaths in this film were so bad too. I hated the fire extinguisher scene. Not oh, the fire yeah. extinguisher scene, but the fire incident when the guy... Takes oh, he the, the lighter he, and mm-hmm. he takes it to the paper. I was like, "Who does that? You have a flashlight now. No one leaves lighters like I feel like like that anymore. Like who leaves them out like that? That's not good. That's not safe." That was like the only kill in the movie that I thought was really cool. And then they had the I liked the scene that I thought that was pretty intense and pretty cool. Not so much cool, but it felt the intense level was when. The girl who was going to play Gail in the movie. I forgot what her name was. But uh, she dies with the two-way mirror incident where Dewey and Gail are trying to figure out oh, yeah. where she is. And, you know, it's hard to hear, which would, which I would get. Like, I, got, I was getting their perspective. And then I got mm-hmm. their perspective of the woman who was getting, was getting, playing Gail. Like, you know, banging on this window mirror thing. Not being able to hear it, screaming as loud as you can, and you know she just ultimately like dies through a two-way mirror, and then her body's like laying there, like how did she get here? Like I thought, and the house and too made it really cool. So yeah, like, where all the fun finale is. I thought it was cool. There's like, see the concept of this movie, great concepts, but just like bad execution. Yeah, and then there was apparently like. I was watching it on DVD because I own mm-hmm. like a little trilogy yeah, that I, mm-hmm. of it. And I saw that there were like on the special features of my DVD it came with an alternate ending. So oh I watched God. the alternate ending. So mm-hmm. instead, like, you know how in the end, like everybody's all happy and Dewey proposes, blah, blah, yep. blah. It ends with like Sydney, you know, killing him. And then just the whole thing ends at where we see Sydney, like there's like a close zoom in, mm-hmm. close up of Sydney, like ends with like you know her, no. just her after killing her brother. So we wouldn't have any conclusion with Gail and Dewey. We wouldn't have a good conclusion with Sydney. We wouldn't have known what happened to Patrick Dempsey, even though we know we would have just assumed he died. But you know, you know how dumb that would have been. In oh, people like would have been so mad. They're like, that's the biggest cop out that you can do. No, it's, like it wouldn't. I don't think it would be a cop out. I think people would consider it as a disrespect for concluding a a, a series trilogy? that yeah that was 
beloved by fans and horror mm-hmm. fans. You know, it just says, okay, we give Curious. up. You know, here's how it ends. And yeah, that would have been stupid. And the one thing I noticed that, you know, I didn't see this in the other films, like in the screen four, but in the third, in the third one, remember the necklace that, uh, her boyfriend gave him. Yes. Mm -hmm. She still wears it in the film, which I did notice. Oh, and I thought that was really sweet to include still. Did you notice that in screen three, there was a lot more comedy than the first two movies? Uh, I didn't really laugh so much in this one. Well, the reason why, well, there was a lot more comedic elements to it, and that's because um, this came out. Um, there were there was originally more violence in this movie, but they had toned it down because uh, Columbine happened a few years before this movie came yeah, out. So right. they, yeah, So they added more comedic elements to it to make it a little bit more like you know lighthearted and everything. Mm-hmm. I could so see like, that. Yeah, but I was like, I did feel like I was watching like this seems more like it has more comedy than like the first two movies. I'm like, this is weird. And then uh, I also want to acknowledge before we move on to the fourth movie is that Carrie Fisher is also in this film. She plays um, a debt. She plays like a, a tent, like a attendant. She's like, I lo- I would have been Princess Leia if it wasn't for Car- Carrie Fisher. It was sort of a meta moment. I was like, yeah. Yeah, she actually improvised uh, some of her lines for the dialogue. That's awesome. I miss Carrie Fisher. Me too. I think it's like it's been four years. years since her death, which yeah. is so sad. Yeah. But like one last thing with Scream 3, it's just like. If it end before we get into Scream Four, because this wasn't this was supposed to be the last movie of the trilogy of like the film. But if they ended it on this, do you think the legacy of Scream would be tarnished because they didn't have a good finale? Because like the first and second one, they're like highly rated and everything, but like the third one is just like the one that everyone's like, yeah, we don't like this one. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, it's like you can still honor the Scream series. Just don't look at number three. Yeah, that's what I'm like. It would have been just like one, two, and that's it. Yeah, and then just flash forward to 2011, where we yeah. get to four. So, yeah, let's move on to the final Scream movie uh, that was released, and that's Scream 4, released in 2011. It was directed by Wes Craven again in his last Scream movie he would do before his passing in 2015. It was really re- sad. Yeah. But he ended, I think he ended out with a bang with this one. I enjoyed this film. <laughs> Should have been the last one, but we'll get to that. Um, and written by Kevin Williamson, it stars David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Emma Roberts, Hayden Panettiere. Hayden, is it Hayden Panettiere or Hayden Panettiere? Hayden Panettiere. Okay, I grew up Panettiere. with her. She's one of my, she was one of my favorites growing up. She was in Remember the Titans. I didn't know that until I was like five. Uh, Anthony Anderson. And she was an ice princess. Really? Yeah, she played the blonde girl. She well, she she's blonde though, but she was the um, she was the girl who was like the really good ice skater who didn't really oh. want to do it, and she always okay. wanted to eat like stuff like bread and French fries. Okay, okay. Which is aesthetically like me. <laughs> ice skate. Let's oh, go God. eat some bread. Who wouldn't want to go eat some bread? Uh, Allison Brie, Adam Brody, Rory Culkin, Marielle Jeff, Eric Cunt. Ken Newston, Mary McDonald, Mary Shelton, and Nico Tortorella. And it takes place on the 15th anniversary of the original Woodsboro murders. It involves Sydney Prescott returning to the town after 10 years, where Ghostface once again begins killing students from Woodsboro High. 
There's something really scary about a guy with a knife who just snaps. Behind the voice. You better start running. Beneath the mask. Is a terrifying secret. I heard you got a phone call from the killer. That can't be revealed. Oh my god. Until the very end. Why are you doing this? You can't save them. All you can do is watch. Stay out behind you! Scream for our the theaters everywhere, April 15th. So this movie is um it's supposed to be a cliche of remakes and it's um provides commentary and extensive uses of social media and internet fame because you do have a few characters that they record everything that's going on to be you know posted on the internet. So it's kind of like a commentary on like the internet age moving into the forward motion because Scream, the tagline for Scream 4 was new decade, new rules. So wasn't really new rules. All it was was a new decade. So well, we I, have there's seven rules that the wiki screen wiki states for screen four. Yeah. What's screen four? Because I don't remember the rules for this one. I I do because I okay. was like remember I remembered so okay. some of them, but I don't really. But so okay. So rules is this I can't talk. Rules to successfully successfully. Mm-hmm. Survive a horror movie remake. One, don't f with the original. Yep, that's true. That's true for anything. Anything, yeah. Outside Disney. of horror, this includes like Disney, Disney. or <laughs> anything with like a remake. So, number two, the death scenes have to be way more extreme. That's yeah. also true. You want to mm-hmm. go big or go home? You don't uh, want to go home. Yeah. At three, unexpected is the new cliche. Mm-hmm. Virgins can die now. <laughs> new new versions are always 2.0. The latest tri- technology is always involved and integral to the, pi- to the plot. This mm-hmm. means the killer may start filming, filming the murders. Number six, you have to... F- have an opening sequence that's true for any movie yeah like that's just general rules okay number seven you want to survive in a modern day horror you pretty much have to be gay yeah oh my god I that, that was, one was funny that was to me that was stupid i was like really we're doing that okay stupid funny i was like all right i get it because then the guy who we talk who like dies and like at the like the he's like i'm gay way, He's like, I'm gay, I'm gay. There's rules. And he's like, what? Yeah. But are those the rules, all the rules? Yeah, that's what it says on Scream Wiki. But back to the opening sequence. I actually like the opening sequence to this movie because it's a fake out on two occasions. It's like the movie within the movie. Yes. It's like a little thing of like Inception. Stab 6 was on and then two girls got killed by two ghost face. And then it was two girls. Played by Anna Paquin and Christian Bell. Yes, Christian Bell. Yeah, but Lucy um, Hale was in the opening sequence, the first one. Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't know. I didn't that know was who the she young was. Lucy. I'm about to say, yeah, this was before major. I think like Pretty Little Liars. I forgot what year Pretty Little Liars started, but uh, in the next opening scene, Christian Bell stabs Anna Paquin after Anna. Yeah, Paquin was, Anna, was Anna was ready for the kill. Yeah, she was talking crap about um. Like all the horror movies, he's like, "Oh, they're just nothing but torture porn and everything." So then, like, she stabbed her. I was like, "Oh my god!" And then we thought there was a real movie. Nope, it was Stab Seven. So it was just two movies within a movie. Yeah. 
I thought, was, I thought that was a cool opening sequence. That was kind of funny. And then it ends with uh, the actual stabbing. Tea Garden and a young Britt Robertson. Who? Britt Robertson. Never heard of him. Okay, so she dated uh, Dylan O'Brien at one point. She um, you cut out. What happened? She dated Dylan oh. O'Brien at one point. She was mm-hmm. in. A, she's been in a couple of movies. Um, the first time with Dylan O'Brien, that's where she like met him, and mm-hmm. then uh, she was in the movie Cake with uh, Jennifer Aniston. She was in the film The Longest Ride, which is like the uh, Nicholas Sparks movie book. She was uh, in Tomorrowland, like the new promising like Jennifer Lawrence type girl. So was she the, was she the lead in Tomorrowland? Yes. Okay, I know exactly who you're talking about. She was in Mother's Day. She was in Mr. Church. I think it, that's the movie with like Eddie Murphy. It was, yeah. like, it was supposed to be like his comeback, but it didn't really do good. Nope. She was in like A Dog's Purpose and Classic. Space Between Us. And then she was just in the movie that you saw uh, back a couple months ago, The I Still Believe. Oh, really? She was oh, yeah. the, the, the girl who, yep, the wife. Okay, so she's been everywhere. I just didn't know who she was. Yeah, that was like, I didn't realize it was her until like I rewatched it and I was like, huh, that is Britt Robertson. And I went back and I looked and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, I could, <laughs> like, like she looked really young there. Mm-hmm. So, it was 2011, so I don't know how old she was back then. So if it was 2011, I just think she's probably in her late 20s now. So she has to be at least like 19 there. Okay. But yeah, Scream 4. People say there's, this movie is very distinct. Dev- decisive divisive between um the fans of the series because you got the people who love this movie they think it's actually good and they put it as like their second favorite screen movie and then there's people that say that this is the worst one that this is dumb and should have never been made what group do you fall into oh i like this screen movie a lot this I do is kind of like a guilty pleasure for me i actually like wanted to see this movie in theaters for a really long time like i didn't see the like, I saw the first one, like, when I was about 14 years old, and then I didn't see, like, then I didn't see the other two, so I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I just want to watch the first one. And then a group of friends and I wanted to go see the fourth one, and, you know, we were, I wasn't young enough, so my friends and I were like, okay, we'll just sneak in. This is nice. So, but here's the thing. We didn't get in. The guy who's in line with us, he, he was like, all right. So and so, don't mess this up. Just say we're going to see blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. He turns around and says, oh, one ticket for Scream 4. And then she go, the girl goes, oh, ID. I'm like, you, know, <laughs> like, you screwed up. That is so funny. You don't say, the, you don't tell them the radio or movie. You say it like a PG movie and then you yeah, go. Yeah, and I was like. Idiot. Like I didn't want us to get in trouble. I'm like, we're not gonna get in trouble. <laughs> we all walked out like, well, we didn't get what we wanted. So <laughs> that is funny. Oh, that sucks. That really sucks. But yeah, yeah. I was really disappointed. So then when it came out on demand, I rented it and I watched it. Like you know where you have that 24 hour period. I watched it like four times in that setting. Um, I really like this movie. 
Yeah, I enjoy it. It's definitely like I feel like it's an homage to the original Scream movie. Like Wes Craven's like, we're just gonna take it back to basics. You know, the third movie wasn't that good, so we're just gonna not complicate it and just make it like we're gonna make. It just felt like Scream One, but in the modern age. And it was just fun. Mm-hmm. Like I had fun with every single minute of it. Like it reminds me of like the fun ways of like Ready or Not is. Yeah. So, um, I like the casting and I like the killers who we find out in the movie because I didn't think it was going to be who I thought it was. Uh, me neither. Like, I, I wasn't expecting, like, there was one who I expected it to be, but it wasn't it. The boyfriend? Uh, I knew it was probably going to be eventually be Emma Roberts. Huh? And then I didn't think, I was thinking it was probably going to be the... Uh, the one with the, um, Cameron. which kid I wrote him down. The, his name is, his name is Eric. Mm-hmm. And he reminds me the kid who was like Randy. Yeah. I thought he was kind of going to be it, but no, it was his friend. It was the Culkin. Yeah. And, uh, essentially the kid, Eric Kurtzen, who gives me like Randy vibes. You know, from the first film. He's also, like, the modern-day Twitch guy. Because mm, he's always streaming. And that was the commentary of, like, always just streaming and everything. And, like, the it's what Halloween uh, Resurrection tried to do. Yeah, it's like, it's like, he reminded me of, like, a little ninja before ninja was a thing. So, and then the one thing, the one thing that kind of bugged me in this movie, this is just a cinematography thing. The saturation for this film is really, really high. Oh, yeah, you're not wrong. Some of the scenes, some of the scenes look like they were um very poorly colored. Yeah, and I was just like, wow! I don't even have to turn the brightness on my screen up. I'm not watching a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, I think that's something we need to look up if that was a Michael Bay like direct to cinematographer connection. But <laughs> uh, I thought the movie like one of the things I I found kind of interesting in the movie. I like my favorite character in this movie was Hayden Penetieri's character. Oh yeah, she's the cool girl that like I that like I back. was like I strive to be with my film knowledge. <laughs> I want her to come back because like Wes Craven said before he passed away, he said if we were to make another movie, I want her. She would have been like a survivor of like the the murders at the end, so she could have came back. Oh, I would have like, loved her to come back, and then like. She could have been passing down like the new church. Yeah, because this movie is really, it's kind of like a combination of a new generation and the old gen, and the old generation with like Nev Campbell, David Arquette, and Courtney Cox. Because they, the, those three, they t- kind of take a back seat, in my opinion, to the old to the new kids on the block. Except for Nev Campbell, she actually has a, like a lot more screen time. Yeah, which made me a little bit more happy with this film. So, like, because, you know, I didn't think we got enough of her in the, uh, you know, the first film. Not the first film. Oh, my God. The third film. The third film. So. But then, like, they, they did Courtney Cox. I don't know if Courtney Cox had to go film something else. But, like, she got um, pushed out, like, a window. And she was in the hospital for, like, a majority of the movie. So, I don't know if, like, Courtney Cox had to go do something else. So, that's why she wasn't in the movie as much. Mm-hmm. But it was just enough for her, though, I felt. Yeah. And David Arquette was just there. He didn't really feel like, eh. No, I, I think it was good because then he was still following it around. 
And oh, actually, do you know who I also thought was the killer? I'm going to take that back. Who I thought it was Emma Roberts. I oh. thought it was the crazy looking woman, blonde woman. Oh, the cop, his deputy. Yeah. I thought, yeah, no, nah, I didn't think so. No. And that, uh, but I uh, can see it, though. Her and her lemon squares. Yeah. Classic. She's and coming I, back for the movie. Yeah, she's coming back, though. Okay. Uh, what did you think of the two cops played by Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson? I thought they were kind of like when Anthony Anderson is like, mm. I, he said something like very, they were watching like a high school girl, like trying to make sure to go. Say, so he said something like, oh, man, I walk her home every day. I'm like, dude, she's in high school. That's a little messed up, but. They wasted Adam Brody on a cameo for, like, to get killed. But Anthony Anderson, the way he died in this movie, Jesus Christ. Like You know, and he it, says, F Bruce Willis. He gets uh, stabbed in, like, the forehead. That, and, like, has, has to hurt. And, and then, you know that, that Wes Craven actually based that on a real incident? I I bet. And I was like, holy crap. That was, like, that was a cool, that was, like, the coolest. No, the coolest death was when... um. Emma Roberts and Hayden were prank calling their friend, and then it turns out Ghostface actually called him. He's like, "I'm in the closet," and it turns out he was in the closet at her the friend's house, and she freaking gutted her. And then when we went over there, her guts were just spilled all over the bed and steaming and everything. I was like, "Oh my god!" That's. I thought the sub of the deaths in this one were kind of were really scary. That one being that one, because you're like, don't know who's in your closet, because I yeah. felt like my chest pumping like when I first saw it. And then uh, Allison Bree's death of where she gets stabbed in a parking garage, which, by the way, when you're by yourself, is scary at night because you don't want to be yeah. walking around by yourself. So, like, you know, you, you always want to carry, like, a little flashlight just for safety. Yes. You know, maybe have some pepper spray on you <laughs> just to even make it up, just to make it you feel like you're a little bit more safe. But anyways... You know, she gets stabbed, and then they throw her off the oh, parking her, her, her. garage, and her guts fly out and onto a newscast van. Yeah, I say this is definitely the goriest screen movie. And then Hayden Panettiere's death was really getting me, like where you know where she's guessing all the questions, where it was like the homage to Drew Barrymore's opening, yeah. and then you know. Anthony Anderson, like what we were saying earlier, the stabbing in the head, like that's like that could happen to anybody. You just sit in the car, like you roll down your window, like, hey man, just stab it in the forehead. Yep, and then bleeding right between the eyes. Yeah, it's like, oh, some of these deaths got to me. Well, what do you what don't you like about this movie? Are there any like negatives you have? Um, I think a little bit of a reasoning is like, you know, I don't some of Amber Roberts' lines, I think, just just because maybe her character, where she's like, I don't need friends, I need fans. Yeah, because she, the whole point of her and uh, Rory Culkin's, like, motive to be, like, to kill people is to become, like, famous from, like, mm -hmm. surviving a massacre that's filmed and put on the internet. So, like, I, I the re she's like, she wants to be famous, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Like I get it, she wants to be famous. That's fine, but I think it was just the lines that they were that was written for her didn't really work out for me. Yeah, especially she's like, "What do you? Who are you, Michael freaking Myers?" I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh, like this is stupid. Like, 
Like, I like the fact that she was the killer. There weren't too many flaws I really had with this movie. I think the coolest sequence in this movie was when um, after, like, the whole murders happened and uh, Emma Roberts stabbed Rory to, like, make him look like a killer. Like, she goes just a sequence of making herself look like a victim. She rips her hair out. She scratches, like, her face. She, like, slams into a picture and a swan I thought dies. that was hilarious. That was so funny. I'm going to link to that. Well, this isn't going to be on YouTube, but I'm going to link it anyway in the podcast description because that was just absolutely hilarious. Like, because she's trying to make herself look like a victim. So, you know, you got to go all out. And she stabbed herself too. Like, she drove the knife into the, her shoulder by like slamming it to the wall. It was just perfect. You know, it was enough. You know, rip her hair, stab herself, you know, run um, face first to a painting, you know, scratch her face, you know. You know, even bang yourself into the wall a few times would have been bad, but to that would, throw your face into it. She was like, trying to make herself look convincing. It was so funny, though. Yeah. And, it, and then she hits her, she goes backwards and breaks her whole, almost back onto the yeah. glass thing. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> what did you think about the um, ending where, like, she is going to try to kill Sid because Sydney knows, like, she's a killer. And she's not like a victim. Oh, I like the fact that we had one more, one last battle. That was great. I loved that. And then the last, we got to have one liner when Gail was like clear, and then was yeah. like what clear, and then they shot, and then Nev's like clear, and then she and like, then she gets fried. I thought that was like, great with the defibrillator, and then like you know, like the rules said it before, the killer's always gonna come back for one last jump scare, and she like got up, tried to stab Sydney, and the Sydney shot her. I thought it was David Arquette shot her. No, David Arquette got knocked out by a bedpan. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. That's right. I'm thinking of. Oh, I'm thinking of the uh, last movie. Okay. Yeah, but I thought Scream Four is like I don't know why people say this is bad. Maybe because they were just like, it was just weird to see like the new people getting. I think they didn't like the new people getting more shine than the originals. That's what I feel like that people don't like this movie for. I don't know. I could be wrong though. Have you yeah. heard reasons why people don't like this one? Not really. Like, I th- I tried to stay in my lane, and I didn't really listen to why people didn't really like it as much. I really enjoy it for what it is. Like, I think this is the story that, like, Wes Craven wanted to tell maybe a little bit like uh-huh. for the third film, but he didn't really get to. Like, yeah, the so idea think- of the third one, and I think, for me, it satisfies a better conclusion for the third film. Mm-hmm. You know, this would have been perfect as like a third movie and then open such trilogy for Scream. Yeah, which now we have. We're getting a Scream installment, new Scream. Yeah. So the last movie we're going to talk about with Scream is going to be an untitled fifth film. Screw. Well, we're going to call it Scream Five. But yeah, Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, and Marley Shelton are all back. Uh, they're going to be joined by Melissa Ber- Barrera, Jenna Ortega, Jack Quaid, Dylan Minnette, Mason Gooding, Kyle Gallner, Jasmine Brown, Mikey Madison, and Sonia Amar. It's going to be directed by Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillett. And um, it's going to be written by, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's going to be written by Kevin Williamson. He's coming back to write it. I believe so. No, yeah, the characters writing. are by it. And then the screenplay is by James Vanderbilt. Oh, who... and, Gay, and Guy Busick. Yeah. And then Kevin Williamson will be an executive producer. 
with Vanderbilt and Chadville. Um, Chadville Leva. But yeah, what do you think about Screen Five? Because as soon as the news dropped, the room was like, "How are you going to do this about Wes Craven?" Because Wes Craven passed away. You know, when this comes out, it was supposed to come out 2021, but it mm-hmm. got pushed back to 2022. So it was going to be 11 years, or it's going to be like seven years after Wes Craven passed away, and then a full 11 years after the um, fourth one came out. Okay, well, this is going to be something. It has to be something really interesting. I feel like it's going to be a story about Sydney and at least maybe what the idea of starting like a family or at least, you know, having a, a husband and, you know, Courtney Cox, I'm sure will definitely be having kids in this film. Have to be. Like that's what it might like they were the kids like are going to be focused in on. Like I see like Jenna Ortega being involved, like the daughter or something like that. And I already picture, like, Jack Quaid as one of the new cops, which I'm mm-hmm. really excited about that, like, Jack Quaid is part of this. I knew Jack Quaid was going to be really big after I saw him in Logan Lucky. And I knew that oh, right yeah. away because I love that fi- line in the film that he says, I know all the tweets. Just go <laughs> watch it. It's so funny. He's great in it. And if you love him in the boys, I think he's going to do great in this film. So I'm excited about him. I already don't. I have no idea what we're gonna do with these other kid characters. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, yeah, I feel like Dylan Milanetti might. I feel like I already know who might be the killer, and that might be Dylan Milanetti already. <laughs> Just a killer, uh, you know. It's probably what if it's Jenna Ortega. I don't. Mm, I don't know who it could be her because we don't. I just don't. Sorry, the babysitter. Remember. Yeah, she's a ride in the babysitter. She'll just be another survivor. So, yeah. But I don't uh, know. I feel like... Oh, so, sorry. Oh, I was going to read to you uh, what James Vanderbilt also has written, by the way, in terms of what? screenplays. One thing I really like that he wrote, and probably one of my favorite films he has written, is Zodiac. Oh, with... um. Directed by David Fincher about yes. the Zodiac Killer with Jake Gyllenhaal. Right? Yes. That was, that's a good yes, movie. yes, yes. One of my favorite movies. He wrote The Losers. Ooh, I actually like that one. The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, White House Down. Yeah, I like that one. I know you hate that one. Uh, Truth, which is like a 2015 film. I think it's got uh, Robert Redford in it. Mm-hmm. And Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, no. Murder mystery. I don't know what that is. It's the Jennifer Aniston and, and uh, Adam Sandler film. Oh, yeah. The Netflix one? Yeah. Oh, so this... Uh, what else? And now we got Scream 5 coming. This guy's have a very bitter miss career. I don't know how to feel about this now. He's all, And then he's directed one movie, which was The Truth, which he wrote, which I stated earlier. So I don't know how I feel. I feel like this is an interesting route for him to take. A Scream movie, yeah. And it makes sense that, to me, also that, you know, the two, Tyler Gillett and Matthew Bettelini Oplin, because I feel like, since I enjoyed, you know, Ready or Not so much, I feel like this is a really good... Oh, yeah. This, this is, is a um, really good director's choice. They're Radio Silence, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, I'm like... You said radio or not. I was like, oh, radio science. Yeah. So they should do it. I think it's going to be mostly them that are going to be doing the hard work. So, yeah. I Vanderb- think Vanderbilt's yeah. just there just to be like, get a cookie. 
So I'm excited for whatever's going to come for it. I'm going to go see it. If we still have theaters opening well, weekends, <laughs> which I hope. But and, like, I, I'm scared. I don't know. Cause it's going to be a new generation. It's definitely a new generation film. And it's like, is scream going to be the same where people be like, I want to go see Scream Fight, or people just like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like the fans Very who are, so we're gonna have I see. think the fans of who really like the fourth one will be really happy because, mm-hmm. like, people like me, and I don't know if it's gonna say about you know all the old school horror fans. Yeah, I would say like the original, but I'm like, all on board this, for it. I'm like, will the like OG fans who liked like the first two movies will they come back and be like? Yeah, we'll see a film not directed by Wes Craven. We'll be like, yeah, a screen movie. Yeah. I would love it to see if they're, like, continuing the Stab series, and then they're like, oh, Stab 24. I think they, they should. It has to be. like. I feel like Wes Craven had plans for – do you think he may have made, like, plans for a fifth film? Like, he thought about it, and he maybe wrote it down somewhere, and he might be going off that. I feel like he's always had plans for – a series of Scream to be continued. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if this is the way that, like, you know, that he would want it to be, then yeah. Like, if he couldn't direct Scream 5, I could totally see him hiring at least the guys who directed Ready or Not. Yeah, they they look like they're in it. Yeah, they, they, they're good. Have you seen Ready or Not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it too. So it was so, a really good well, theater experience, especially to capture that horror vibe. And it brings a connection because Adam Brody was in uh, Ready or not. not. So we'll see what they're going to do for Screen 5. We're going to hold two years away. So without further ado, I'd say we get into some quick box office numbers and we wrap this show up. So box office numbers because there were no questions this week. So um, for the weekend of October 9th and 20th, uh, October 9th through the 11th, for the few movie theaters that are left open around the country or even around the world, these were the top 10 weekend earnings for some of the movies. Number one, we have The War with Grandpa making $3.6 million. Mm-hmm. Number two, Tenet, $2.1 million. And number three, we got the 2020 re-release of Hocus Pocus making $1.1 million. We have The New Mutants, which made $705,000. Unhinged made $682,000. Coco at number six, $210,000. Infidel at number seven, $205,000. Processor Uncut, $150,000 at eighth place. Yellow Rose at ninth place, $150,000. And then the re-release of Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, made $145,000 thousand dollars that is really low box office numbers yeah but i'm happy to be reading box office numbers again 
Yeah, you don't know how long that might last, but I feel like 2020 will be the bounce back year for theaters because remember, Regal said Regal and Cineworld are only closed temporarily, so they could come back open. Yeah, I I see myself going to the movies pretty much every weekend once Same. 2021 hits because there's so much that I'm going to want to see that was that's placed they, on hold. That's, and, why they, you know, yeah, that's why they did that because be like, you know what? We got to come back stronger. We're going to ravage your wallets next year exactly i'm just ready i think everybody's ready for some new stuff to go back to the theaters you see it online even yeah you know it's not the same because now as we were talking uh whatchamacallit coming america too now it's not oh, going yeah, to theaters anymore it's going to prime mm-hmm. so like i was expected to go see that in theaters because you know i wasn't born yet when uh the first one was out you uh-huh. know and i love it and i watch it on tv like whenever it's on you know it's kind of sad that like you know the general audience still can't even go see it everybody's got to go get prime now yeah or just watch it illegally but we don't have to no see we don't do that <laughs> we don't do that here we don't do we, that here at the mac movie reviews podcast no, we, we purchased our movies legally like nothing bad ever happened with that but yeah um it's just sad with that. So hopefully everything can turn around for theaters. I'm rooting for them. You know, that is our second home, like you said earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. But um, that's going to do it for the podcast uh, this week. We want to thank you all for listening. Next week's show, it's a special one. It's a comeback episode for a certain co-host that left the show, and he's coming back. If you already know who it is, you already know who it is. I ain't gonna and I that. won't be here next week, so I'll see yeah, you Chris- following week, folks. Kristen will be gone next week. So that's why I'm having a special guest come in. And she'll be back the following week, which will be our Halloween episode, I believe. We're going to do it early? Yes, we're going to do it early. So that way all of you lovely folks can listen to it just in time for Halloween. Yep, and we're going to have Rob back on it, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, He's and Rob be- will be making his first uh, appearance with his segment, Mob- Rob's Movie Corner. And we'll be yep. reviewing... QB Halloween, the new Adam Sandler film. Yep. So stay tuned for the next two weeks because Mac Movie Reviews, we're going to be going spooky. And don't forget, we are going to be on Talking TV, a.k.a. Chris. His has a Halloween 1978 watch-along going on on October 31st. It's going to be a costume watch-along. So make sure you tune into that. The link will be in the description and links will be at our Instagrams. So until then, we will see you guys when we see you guys. Peace. Bye.